What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to catch up with Mike Maines of Mike Maines and the Branches over Zoom video. The last time we had Mike on the podcast, we had him on the phone. So it was cool to actually see him and uh, do the interview via Zoom video. The last time we had Mike on the, the podcast was over three years ago. So it's cool to kind of catch up with him. Last time we chatted, the band had released When We Were In Love. Uh, so we kind of recap, obviously, where he grew up, born and raised, how he got into music, how the band ended up forming, and then putting out When We Were In Love. Since the album came out, Mike has moved to Nashville. So we talk about that. And we had a chance to hear all about the new album. And Mike was really, really vulnerable in this interview. It gets really deep, so make sure to check it out. Make sure to check out the video. It's up now on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. The new album that we spoke about is called Memory Unfixed. And once again, follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Subscribe to us at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Mike Maines of Mike Maines and the Branches. Hey, what's up, Mike? How are you? Not too much, man. Is it a- Adam? Adam, yeah. What's going on, Adam? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, I actually had you on our podcast over the phone three years ago. Oh, come on. Was that for the for when we were in love? Yes, it was okay, for that cool. record. Yeah. Um, cool, man. It was like August. Thanks for having was, me back. Yeah, it was like August 2020. So <laughs> stuff was still pretty weird. Yeah. But uh, that checks yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I'm Adam again. I appreciate you doing this. This is about you and uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about the album you have coming out next month. Cool. Sweet. Um, well, we're if you don't mind, we can recap a little bit um, from the, the first conversation we had. But uh, and then obviously talk about the, the new music. Uh, are you you're originally from uh, Michigan? Is that correct? You got it. Yep. Okay, what part? And born and raised? Or? Yeah, so uh, born in Denver, Colorado. Oh, so not from Michigan originally. In, <laughs> yeah, born in Denver. That was it, man. Like born there, and we moved almost immediately, and then grew up in Michigan. Um, and I, I've been, I'd been in Michigan all my life until I was about twenty-one. I moved to Texas, lived there for about a year, and that's when I started the branches, and then. Okay we decided to move to Michigan and we just got really, really serious. We all quit our jobs uh, as, as much of, you know, outside work as we could. And um, I detailed cars and would, would do that. And then after, after I would get out of work um, we would rehearse from anywhere from five or six o'clock at night till two or three in the morning. And then I'd, I'd go back to work and do that. And then we started playing shows people started taking notice. We got an agent management and as they say, the, the rest is history. Um, wow. but it was a lot of work and I don't <laughs> think I could, I could sacrifice that much sleep now, but, uh, 
I was a little younger and more able-bodied then. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a little easier to do those things when you're when you're a bit younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Michigan. What about music? How did you get into music? Did you come from an artistic, creative, musical household at all? Not at all. Um, my, I mean, my my dad listened to a lot of music, and I had a lot of time alone as a kid, and and so my ears were always kind of glued to the to whatever stereo system was, was nearby. Um, I loved listening to the radio, all, all, all different genres, country, rock, rap, pop, everything in between. I just, it, it always felt like there was a, a conversation that was happening or a story that was unfolding. And I was really fascinated by that. And I had a, a pretty wild imagination. And so I, I think songwriting uh, and and songs were were really powerful for me because I could hear the words and the melody, but then those songs would just take me someplace other than where I was. And um, my upbringing wasn't, <laughs> let's see, wasn't great. I've been on my own since I was about fifteen. Um, oh so music, I I think, also became a, a way for me to disassociate in in a way um and and survive you know so it's um but it's it's I'm, I'm grateful for music i'm grateful for songwriting and um it's still something to me that even today for as long as i've been doing it um it doesn't get old i still really love writing songs making records and playing shows yeah wow 15 man that's that's young um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> So did you like pick up guitar at an early age? Like how did you begin kind of your songwriting venture? Yeah, I, I initially wanted to be a drummer. I, I didn't, I, when I was listening to music in, in the early days, of course I was mesmerized by the song and the narrative, but really fascinated with rhythm and, and the drums. I always wanted a drum set, but um, no one wanted me to have one for reasons that I completely understand and so now it's just whenever we decide to have a family i'll i'll need to make sure there's a basement that our child can get lost in so even though it will be loud it's maybe not as loud as it could have been <laughs> um, sure. uh and so it was initially drums and then in eighth grade um i i became really fasc fascinated with literature and poetry and my my teacher pulled me aside and said i think you've got a a a strength and a skill here with, with words. And then at the end of my freshman year of high school, I took a choir class, honestly, just because I thought it would be an easy A and I had <laughs> to do a, my exam was singing a song in front of my class and that scared the absolute daylights out of me. Um, but I did it. I got an A and, and a lot of my friends said, dude, we didn't realize you could sing. And I said, thanks. Neither did I. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, well, I can take these melodies and lyrics and maybe I can, I can start writing songs. And, um, and said so that from that point on, I just always carried a notebook with me wherever I went and uh, definitely spent a lot of the time in class in high school when I wasn't interested in, whatever was being taught writing songs um, that basically just sounded like uh, a, a D plus version of blink 182. <laughs> Cause that's what go. I was into at the time. Sure. Wow. Well, I will say I have a 
well, now he's seven, but we got him a drum set when COVID began because he has a lot of energy and, uh, but we got the electric kit. So you always have that as an option. Ooh, that's smart. Get the headphones. We did get him the one that has a, has a real kick. So it can be kind of loud ish, but not nearly what like a real set uh, would sound like. So yeah, there's an option there for you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you started writing songs and once you kind of, well, you're always writing, but once you realize you could sing and you start writing, you know, different things down, were you in a band or did you start a band? Started a band. Around that time? I started. Yeah. I mean, I had a band that I was the drummer of in, in fourth grade called the cool kids. Um, oh, great man. name. Uh, and the drumsticks that I put in that band were given to me by my, my teacher uh, who was also a drummer and, and was just like a, a hero of mine. So that made a huge impression on me. And then eighth grade, I had a band called contradiction, another just God awful name. I think at the time <laughs> I was listening to like a bunch of God smack and Metallica. So I feel like the name fits. Um, okay. And I was thinking Green Day I, walking contradiction. When you oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, that, that came like, uh, mid to late like freshman year of high school i i fell head over heels in love with with blank and and punk rock um and then i had another band in high school a couple different bands uh the second band broke up about a year and a half after i was out of high school got really in like I mean, it was abusing drugs and just classic debaucherous lifestyle. And then um, I, I kind of dropped music completely when I was around, I think, 19. And from 19 until about 20, halfway through my 20, 20th year, was just really involved in this uh, non-denomination, non-denominational church, but started writing songs with Shannon, who had later joined the band and... Um, essentially found <clears throat> founded the branches with me um and then we we never looked back her and i have a a rare chemistry and she's also not just a collaborator but an incredible editor and i i really i think it took me a while because when i was really putting my reps in and learning how to write songs it's hard as a kind of an amateur songwriter not to take someone's feedback personally because sure. you feel like for me, I felt like she was attacking me and, mm -hmm. and really she was just saying, no, I think the song could be better. You're, you're great. I like you as a human, but the songs aren't, aren't solid. So um, now I know that if she is saying that a song is really strong and has potential, she really means it. And uh, that's really encouraging. Yeah. Well, when did you meet Shannon? Like where were you still living in Michigan at the time? Yeah, she ended up, so the band that I left after high school, I quit when I was probably nine, yeah, 19. Um, and then was literally homeless, kind of like crashing on friends' couches. I had played in the band she was in called Definition Plexus um, around like the mid-Michigan area. And they ended up needing a singer. And I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? So I, I joined the band that she was in. Um, became fast friends with all of them 
left that band as I got really involved in church. Like I thought I was going to go to seminary and like, Oh wow. Try to be the next Billy Graham or something. Uh, and, uh, so we just remained really good friends, but then she ended up leaving that band. Um, and we hung out a couple of times and she just played piano, um, on some songs that I had written on my acoustic guitar, played a couple coffee shop shows. And, um, and then I, when I moved to Texas to kind of get away from everything for a while, um, she stayed in touch and we would send song ideas back and forth. And that's still what we do today. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you got, you're married, correct? You too? Yeah, or, okay. you got it. Yeah. So instead of sending stuff, you're just in the same household. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you want to come to the studio and, and listen to this idea? Yes. So now it's it's less like we're married. So the, the fight is always like, um, is tonight going to be a night where we're we're hanging out and being a married couple? Or are we going to not do Netflix and date night? And are we going to hang out in the studio and, and bounce ideas off of each other? And um, it's a delicate balance, but uh, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's a really cool uh, thing to have. Um, so you moved to Texas. You you just moved to yeah. Texas to get away from Michigan and everything. And then yeah. you're still writing there, or working on songs there. And then that's when you continue the the band or the, your guys' working relationship at the time. Yeah, we had started turning this thing off here real quick. I've got a really obnoxiously loud speaker that's driving me nuts. um uh yeah i moved down there i'd i'd had kind of like a i tell folks almost like a midlife crisis at 21 i i really just needed to get away i i think there was a kid in you know like an 18 year old in in the church who had just come out um and he didn't receive a lot of like affirmation um and 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 i just was really conflicted about that i i I just felt like as a person trying to pursue a life that um is walking in love truth and constant forgiveness i i just couldn't reconcile the fact that like this guy would be ostracized or um you know excommunicated for a church just because of who who he was so that and 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 a bunch of other things that just like typical church trauma and you know, you combine all of that with like, you know, being on your own at a really young age, uh, daddy issues, the whole nine yards. Like I, I really felt confused. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, I, I didn't, I didn't know left from right or up from down. And like, I needed to just get away and start from scratch. And my sister was down in Texas and, um, I had a job at this casino. So that's where I w- would go on writing like all of the lyrics primarily to our first record was just uh, working the graveyard shift at this. It was called Windstar World, World Casino. It still exists today. Um, and uh, and then I met a drummer down there and a bass player at the church I was attending. Shannon came down for a couple of rehearsals and um, and then we ended up going back to Michigan literally because um, someone from that town had won like a crazy lawsuit um, uh, and said, I want to pay for your first album. I want to just gift you with the, the budget to make your first record. 
And we just took that as like a sign and all lived in this <clears throat> tiny little house together <clears throat> and made our first record and then went on tour and <clears throat> never looked back. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Well, I have the solution for you. It's Adam from Bringing It Backwards. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your doorstep. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tracking all your holiday to-dos. Factor wants you to skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays. I know I personally have kids at home that are home from school on break, which means they're home all day. <laughs> Not only that, but you know, driving to the extracurricular activities, their friends' houses, doesn't leave a whole lot of time for meal prepping. Factor lets you choose from over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your doorstep, and they're ready to eat in two minutes. That's right, delivered right to your doorstep and ready to eat in two minutes. You don't get the food delivered to you, and it's like, okay, I've got the food, but now i got to spend 45 minutes, an hour prepping all the food and making it so I'm ready to eat. This is two minutes delivered right to your door, fresh, never frozen meals, supporting your healthy lifestyle. And this November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your doorstep. Again, ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. Flavor-packed meals delivered right to you. All you need to do is head to factormeals.com slash B-I-B-T-V 50 and use the code B-I-B-T-V 50, B-I-B-T-V 50 and get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash B-I-B-T-V 50 for 50% off. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. And then you did like another like crowdfunded for the second album, right? Yep, for Calm Down. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So you gained obviously enough support and enough fans off based off of that first album that people were like, "We want to hear another one," and you know, yeah. were able to support that. That's a massive accomplishment. Yeah, we were we were grateful. I mean, <clears throat> I think for our second record, we raised like. Forty or fifty thousand dollars, and I and I still today don't consider. Um, I don't think of our band as like a large band. I, I I recognize everything as relative. Like we are technically a national touring act, but um, the fact that our fans were were willing to donate those kind of of numbers was astonishing to me, and I am really really grateful for our fan base and their support. Mm -hmm. And I, well, you had a few years in between the the record that we talked about, right? I mean, like five yeah. years went in between uh, those two two albums. With that, like, were you just writing songs? Like, what, or were you living in Michigan at that point and just kind of working on the band stuff? Like, what what went on in between those years before? 
before yeah. you put out this record. I mean, so the, I record, got the a, most recent one, I guess, that you put out. Yeah. So I'd gotten a job at a church because we were, I mean, just a baby indie band, not making enough money to, we we're barely making enough money to make payments on our van let alone like go on to to her. So I, and and Shannon and I had just gotten married. So it was about a year after we got married and I thought I, I need to get a job and hopefully that job will provide me with enough financial flexibility as well as time flexibility to still do the band on the side. Um, And uh, that, that's what I did. And, and then I, I fell into, um, kind of an unorthodox career path where I, um, my songs started getting placed in TV shows and movies and commercials and stuff. Um, and that I was like, Holy cow. I, I just landed a song in a commercial that paid me what I will make, uh, working for my church for a year. I should do this. I should do this more. Um, and so I kept doing that on the side and saving and saving and saving, um, until eventually, um, the year we put out when we were in love, we were able to move down to Nashville and, and, and buy a house and um, build, build my dream recording studio. And um, I still do a bit of that, but I'm shifting my focus now for away from writing for television and film and more um, just writing with other artists and producing other artists and focusing on the band. Nice. And you're in Nashville still? Yep. Yep. Very cool. Well, I, when I talked to you last, I lived in San Diego and now we, my family and I moved here uh, about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now. Cool. You're in Nashville? Yeah. We're south of Nashville. Yeah. Williamson County. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. This, this place is amazing. It was the best decision we've ever made. Good. Good. I'm glad you're here. We could have done this in person. We'll do it next I know. one in person. <laughs> yes, definitely. I know. I didn't realize that you were here either until yeah. uh, I went back and was listening to the first interview. I was like, wait a minute. He's in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a small world. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, yeah, you moved down to Nashville um, and you, what, then begin working on the most or that album that came out three years ago now or two years ago now? Uh, we moved. So we had put out When We We're in Love. And I think it was the year we finished touring that would have been summer of 2019. And we moved down that fall. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause when we're in love, goodness gracious did that, was that 2018? I think, man, time I think flies. It was 2019, um, 2019, just because based okay. off of our interview. Yeah. You had yeah, that, that makes out. Sense. Yeah. And then it was like August when I interviewed you. Yes. Yeah, so we moved down. Literally we bought our house in late August of that year um, and moved down to Nashville in October of 2019. Um, I started writing memory unfixed. I wrote the first song for memory unfixed. That's the opening track literally in this, the room that we're I'm doing this interview and this is like Shannon's office. And I, I just had a, this beat up crappy old, like, $50 $50 Behringer amp that I plugged her Nord into because I was trying to practice piano and get a little bit better at it. Cause I play, I'm not like an amazing uh, musician. I, I play guitar and piano, like a songwriter, um, mm-hmm. like good enough to write a song, but no one's going to be like, that dude's a shredder. Um, <laughs> and Which most songwriters uh, could probably care less about being a shredder. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny. totally. It's only, 
recently that I've, I've tried to really get a lot better at that because when I'm in the studio with an artist who's needing to lean on my musicianship, I'm like, Oh snap, I really got to brush, brush these things up. Um, but yeah, we, we moved here in October and then everything shut down a few months later. So I, I just doubled down on songwriting. And then as the restrictions started loosening up, we did a couple of songs on the record live in the studio, mostly live. Um, but then everything else was kind of cobbled together remotely. I'd record and I'd write the song record an acoustic demo on a vocal, send it to Jesse Proctor, who played drums on everything. And then our bass player, Josh, was in order to get married and be with his wife. She's from Australia. They couldn't meet up anywhere in the States, but they could meet up uh, in Hawaii, which is also the United States. But for whatever reason, uh, like they would let them. (laughs) Yeah. So they had to... um, I can't even remember what it's called. Like they had to, um, you, why is my vocabulary failing me? Uh, they had to be isolated for like two weeks in, in a hotel. Um, and then they could get together in, in, in Hawaii. So during COVID they just got married over in, um, Hawaii and he tracked all the bass parts remotely shortly after the wedding and then all the guitars were tracked remotely, vocals were tracked remotely. So it was very much like cobbled together through the internet, um, which is cool. It feels um, it feels like the way the record was made feels like it reflects a lot of the content on the record. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that so, but the the album's coming out next month. So you've had this done yeah. for a while now, or. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. We've had it done. It was done in 2021. Um, at the end of 2021, I, I had a suicide attempt and, um, went away to the desert for about six weeks. And then I went to Denver for about three months to work on my mental health. And, um, I'm in recovery now and, um, sober and, and, and doing much better, um, but yeah, the album was originally supposed to drop in early 2022 and, um, I went away and got some much, much needed help, wrote mm-hmm. another album. So there's still one in the, in the, in the cookie jar. Um, oh. but I, it's interesting now coming, coming back and being in recovery and, and, and really working on my mental health. I'm seeing the album through a completely different lens. Um, And that's something my mental health journey, I've always worn on my sleeve. My fans are are very aware of that. And the, the gift we, we just got home from tour and um, I got to chat with this guy and his wife at a show we played in Denver and um, they were both weeping and they've been through like a pretty hellish season in, in their marriage uh, suicide, you know, suicidal ideation and depression, and um, it was cool to know that my uh, vulnerability and honesty about my experience was able to to help them. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it it's taken a while. I I feel like I t- 
you know, this time between records is only three years. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping <laughs> let's, uh, let's crank the next one out, you know, a year or two after if I can, but, um, not as long next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate your, your vulnerability and, and telling me about that because I'm also in, in recovery. So I think that's awesome cool that, you, that you, yeah, that you're sober and you, you do the, the recovery thing, man. That's great. Yeah. Saved my life. It really yeah. did. And same here. And I, yeah. I, I try not to, I, I'm not ashamed of it. I think at first I, I, I used to be, but now I, um, I, I, the 12 steps man can completely saved my life. And there, when you, you want to find God, you want to find healing and hope and strength, go sit under fluorescent lights in some rundown church's basement and listen to people talk about what they're most ashamed of. Um, and you will leave knowing you're not alone and you will find hope in, in a, a really, really beautiful way. Um, so I've, I've found, I've found my family in those rooms. Same here, man. I, I love, I love hearing that. I've, I have the same similar experience I've, as you know, most do in those rooms. Uh, you hear your, your story in, in a different way from a lot of people, but yeah, I mean, I had the same thing where I didn't want to tell anyone about it. And the, every time I didn't and kept it to myself, you know, I'd relapse. So this time around, yeah. I've been a lot more vocal about it. And I don't really care who knows. And I'll tell people. And it, it for me, it's been, you know, a whole different experience. Well, and this time I worked the steps and did all, <laughs> did all the work. Yeah, but, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> like just not having the the. uh it, just having the stigma that I, for me, it was like, oh, I can't tell anybody about it. It was like the shame thing. And now I'm like, who cares? Um, yeah. Man. Yeah. My, one of my early sponsors said, uh, we're not bad people getting better. We're good people getting better. And uh, it was really, really powerful to me. Mm -hmm. And but it's, it's, I think the other thing that I have to really watch is, there is a certain level of plasticity that you start to recognize in more like surface level relationships or relationships that are more industry based that feel kind of transactional. And, and I need to really, I, I need to not judge that because not every re relationship or friendship I'm supposed to have is supposed to be like what we're doing now. Right. It's like, we're going really deep. Not everybody wants to just get on an elevator and go down to like the hundredth floor underground. Um, mm. And that's okay. But I'm also grateful that, you know, I was able to play a show in Nashville on Tuesday night and my recovery friends were there and wow. I'd had a, I'd had a really shitty, you know, three or four days before then and being able to look out into the crowd and see my brothers and my family there was like, that got me through that show, you know? Um, so yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm happy to share that bone with you. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, uh, uh, you know, I've said many, it's not on this program, I'm just, you know, going to whatever now, but like, you know, I've shared and stuff. It's just like, you, the people that you, you, you use and party with, like, those are the first people that will stop calling once you're not around. And it's like the people yeah. that I've met in the program are the ones that are just calling you like, you good? Like, you know, how are you doing? Like, just, it's so weird to have people come to you and be like, yeah, here's my number. Like, call me if you need something or like have someone yeah. you could call and just be like, yeah, I'm like having a shitty day. And then you could just 
and they'll listen to you. Like it's just, just a, yeah. it's not a transactional thing, like you're saying, and it's just such a different yeah. vibe, and it's a different late relationship, and it's something that I was always lacking or and and wanting, you know, growing up. And um, yeah, I have nothing but awesome things to say about about yeah, man, you know, the program and everything. But uh, that's we'll talk off uh, off this thing because I'm curious where you go. But oh, yeah. um, so the, the you had the album done, you've got another album sounds like done um and you're doing some touring coming up as well right supporting the record yeah yeah album drops on september 15th um and then we're doing um about a month on the road with king's kaleidoscope all of october <laughs> um more exciting things coming up next year that i'm i'm not at liberty to talk about but uh, <laughs> there's there's more there's more cool stuff uh, in the works um, that I'm, I'm just really, really thrilled about. Um, and yeah, um, just grateful. I think prior to, you know, not to just only talk recovery to the point where people are like, shut up, but, um, Important. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the pre pre going away and, and really working on my, my mental health and my, my spirituality and everything pre to that i was really disenfranchised be and 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 depressed because i felt like i had found success as a songwriter i had found success as a producer but really felt like my my artist career was a was a complete failure and and man i it doesn't matter how how big we are or aren't like there are artists that pull me aside and say dude i would be happy if i could just get to where you are um and, and, and people are like, bro, you, you have a house, you have a studio, like you did it, you did it. And, and I was just so miserable. I was so miserable. Um, whereas now I, I, not, not, not to make it sound like I'm also not working really hard to make an impact and to grow my band. And, but I, I also realize that it just doesn't matter. Um, like, I think the heart behind it is what matters. And, and music is my medicine. Music is my therapy. It is a, it is a spiritual practice that helps me understand myself. And as Richard Rohr would say, it helps me pay the rent of being human, which is pain. Um, and then knowing that there are other people who can hear my music and feel seen and feel understood and ultimately know they're not alone in the things that they're having explosive joy over as well as like deep, dark, heavy shame about. Um, It just gives me a a lot of, a lot of hope. So now I always tell people, if you want to know who your friends are, go to rehab. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, That's what I was saying earlier. It's like, those are the, the people that'll stop calling you are the ones that you hang out with prior to going, I'm sure. <laughs> Either they don't want to see a problem in themselves or you're not going to be as fun anymore. And they're, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, um, well, dude, I can't wait to, I mean, the album's coming out next month. That's amazing. That's congratulations on the tour and sobriety, all that stuff. Um, and thanks for being vulnerable in, in all that. I appreciate it. And you did say, and you even told me this last time we talked, uh, you, you're writing for other people, you're writing with and maybe for other people, producing for other people. Are you still doing yeah. that as well? 
I am. I am. I've got um, a production project potentially lined up for September and then uh, definitely one for uh, in November and December. Um, and then after that, I think I got to hit the brakes because I'm, I'm feeling the itch to, to be in my studio alone for a while as well and, and work on the next branches record. Like it, there, I feel like the, the bones are there. Uh, but I just, I need time to kind of sort through everything and, and figure out what I want to duct tape together and put into a, put into a box and send out into the world, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be doing, to be doing it. Love it, man. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mike, for doing this again. I really appreciate your time. It was an honor, Adam. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. it. I have one more quick question for you um, yeah. before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Ooh, yeah. Um, I would say we lose our way when we lose our why. Um, and I would just try to stay as connected to your why as possible. Like if you really want to make a lot of money and you want to be big and famous and rich and blah, blah, blah. And like, and, that, and like, if you want to be a star, good, good on you. Good. And like, get after it. Um, that's not my why. My why is I, you know, to quote Bob Dylan, a man is a success if he gets up in the morning and goes to bed at night and in between does what he wanted to do. Like, um, I just want to be able to make a living making music and, um, some days are better than others, but I think um, I would say if, if the reward remains creating the art for the sake of the art, um, I, I think that should would be enough to sustain uh, an artist through having to work a job so that they can support their art. It will be what sustains them through going full time and having a label tell them, uh, we're not here in a single or whatever. Like if make the main thing, creating art that you're actually proud of, not art that you hope will sell, not art that you hope others will make. Like the listener and the consumer should be the last thing you're thinking about. You should be making art, make the music that you want to hear and then share it with other people. And I, th I think you'll be surprised. Mm -hmm.